if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, also known as That Sex Chick. And if you haven't guessed it by now, I love talking about sex. Not only talking about it, but I'm obsessed with helping you create an epic sex life while cultivating deeply fulfilling relationships. There's so much more to the conversation than just the act of sex itself, which is why I created this podcast. You can expect this show to be packed with resources, advice, experts, and everyday people talking about how they have created the best sex and love lives for them. If you are ready to take responsibility for your pleasure, then you are in the right place. Now, let's go talk sex, shall we? This is a Soulfire production. Joining me on the show today, I have Nicole Jardim. Nicole is a certified women's health coach, writer, speaker, mentor, and the creator of Fix Your Period a series of programs that empower women to reclaim their hormone health using a method that combines evidence-based information with simplicity and sass. Her work has impacted the lives of tens of thousands of women around the world in effectively addressing a wide variety of period problems, including PMS, irregular periods, PCOS, painful and heavy periods, missing periods, and many more. Today, we're talking about how to track yours or your partner's menstrual cycle, how to live in harmony with the four phases of the menstrual cycle, and how the cycle can affect your libido, lubrication, and general availability for sex. I hope y'all enjoy the show. 
Nicole, I am so excited to have this conversation. I almost, I like already feel we need a second episode and I am in my first couple of sentences because I just have so many questions and so many stories and, um, and, and I want to pick your brain. And I'm really, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm excited for most of my conversations, but a lot of times I'm having a conversation where I'm equal parts contributing to the conversation. And this one, I, I feel very much a student. And so awesome. I've got my I'm pen. So happy. I know I've got my pen and my notepad here. And so if you're listening to this, people have your pen and your notepad. Also, uh, before we really get into it, people who have a cycle, a menstrual cycle, who are listening to this, have your partner listen with you. Because I imagine that this is going to give clues. I oftentimes say that my partner, Jordan, tracking my cycle gives him keys to the kingdom. It gives him all the clues that he needs in order to make our relationship function and work and us to stay in harmony and bliss. And so anyway, again, really excited for this convo. Nicole, I would love for you to share a little bit about who you are and your journey, becoming a women's health coach, having this incredible book called Fix Your Period, Six Weeks to Banish Bloating, Conquer Cramps, Manage Moodiness, and Ignite Long-Lasting Hormone Balance. Don't you love that tagline? <laughs> I do too. I know. We just had to rhyme. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on, Alexa. I really am so grateful. I feel like I was the most unlikely period girl, honestly. <laughs> this was not something I ever thought I would be doing, but here we are. And it really stemmed from my own experience. I really struggled when I was younger and I had no idea what was wrong or that there was even something wrong, to be completely honest. My mom had had really atrocious periods as a teenager. And so she just made the assumption that my ridiculously heavy, painful periods that kept me home from school had me leaking through the sheets and my, you know, un like underwear constantly, like wearing tons of pairs of underwear. And, um, and like the, the complete, the crazy moodiness, you know, teenager moods, but it seemed to be exacerbated by my period as well as the irregularity. I mean, my periods were coming every three or four months. Like she just thought all of that was kind of normal. And that typically is what happens to so many of us when we're younger, because this experience is 100% passed down in many cases, which is really unfortunate. And it, I didn't see a doctor about any of this until I was in my late teens. And as soon as I saw her, she heard what I had to say and she immediately put me on the pill. And that was the end of that. And I was pumped. I mean, I was like, yeah, okay, great. I <laughs> have birth control and period problems sorted in one fell swoop. And it really did feel that way for me because suddenly my periods were lighter and they were coming, you know, every 28 days and they didn't hurt anymore. And I wasn't, you know, running to the bathroom, leaking through my school uniform. And, you know, the mortification of that in mm -hmm. school as a teen is just like, okay, basically I want to die now. Yes. And um, at least it was for me. <laughs> so Same. fast forward a few years and I started to have really terrible side effects from being on the pill the kind of side effects that you don't even realize are connected because again, I had no clue about what was happening with my body. I was definitely that girl at the time who would go to the doctor and make up a date for my last period and all the other things that I was supposed to know <laughs> having being in a female body. And so ultimately... Um, I decided to come off the pill with the help of an acupuncturist because I saw many doctors who were unable to give me answers to my problems, much less actual sustainable solutions because it was just constantly 
I take, I was constantly taking medication for yeast infections and UTIs and my hair was falling out and I had terrible skin issues and I was gaining weight and I was just chronically sick. Like I felt as though I was a 21 year old in a 70 year old body. And finally, when I saw this acupuncturist, he was the first to suggest that the pill might be behind a lot of my problems. And at first I thought, no way. And then finally I came around to it, came off the pill. And that's what set me on this journey. I just realized after I got off and started helping myself that there had to be a lot of other people who were in the same boat or worse. And that's how I got to hair. I mean, fast forward a few years, of course. Yeah. Skip a nice little chunk, but yes. Like a decade. (laughs) Right. But the basics, I mean, that of course... I'm known as that sex chick. It's a thing. It's a you know big part of my brand. And I also have a story as to, and I think a lot of us that are champions for any kind of health, wellness, it's like we had to go through some dark nights of the soul a couple of times in order to get to like, oh, we kind of understand this and can help others. So I came off the pill. Uh, my partner and I were together for about six months and he went to Planned Parenthood with me and I had my IUD that I had had in for four and a half years. I had it removed, an IUD that got inserted and within two or three weeks, I had a softball sized cyst balloon mm-hmm. that was not there before the IUD placement. And it was just kind of like, oh, I went to just this normal checkup for them to do like the vaginal ultrasound to make sure that it was situated correctly. And on that ultrasound, it was like, oh, that wasn't there before. And you need surgery to have this removed. And, and at first it was like, that's alarming. But then the doctor was like, oh, it happens. Like it was no big deal. You know, and the dismissal of this is just, that's what's so infuriating to me. It's just that this is all completely par for the course. It's normal to experience these really extreme health situations as a result of, of some kind of birth control. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. I mm-hmm. joke and say that I am one laparoscopic surgery away from not having a belly button anymore. Oh my <laughs> I've only had two, but I mean, it's just like barely there. My gallbladder removed when I was 17. And so then they went through the same area and, and removed the ovarian cyst. And then I still had the IUD Mirena. So it's low hormonal you know, birth control and still had it for another four and a half years. When I went into Planned Parenthood, I was like, I'm ready to get this out. There was some inner knowing that was like, you need to get this thing out. And I couldn't explain it. It was like, all of a sudden one day I was like, this has to go. And so went to Planned Parenthood and then the response was, oh, are you trying to get pregnant? No. Oh, well then, you know, you can keep this. They just approved it to be for seven years. I'm like, oh gosh. I'm like, okay, so I'm not trying to get pregnant. Well, what are you going to do for birth control? Um, I'm not going to do anything. Let's take it out. And, you know, at that point, I think I was 30. And so I was like, why do I feel like I'm 17 in this office right now? And you're asking me, well, are you trying to get pregnant? And I was ready to do the work to actually listen to my body. I was ready to do the work that, you know, like I'm, I'm going to learn about this. And it's crazy. I had I actually the very first episode of this show I did with my mom. And awesome. it was like a Q&A <laughs> with my mom. And I told her we were going to brunch. We did go to brunch and at brunch, I said, we're going to the podcast studio because at the time I was recording in a studio and before I got all this gear that I'm still trying to figure out. Um, so we, I said, we're going to the podcast studio. You can object. This does, I do need your consent. And we went there and we started talking and talking. I go, mom, do you remember the talk you gave me? And she goes, what talk? I went, exactly. I said, basically, I remember how this went. Called me over. I sat on the edge of the chair that you were like this big comfy chair. And I sat on the edge and you said, do you know about your period? 
do you know about a period? And I said, yes, I was very uncomfortable. Yes, I do. And she said, well, do you have any questions? No, I got it. Do you have any questions about other things that have to do with that part of your body? Nope, I'm good. And that was the extent of the talk. She doesn't even remember doing it. So I also, my, the first experience with birth control, I think I was 14 or 15 and I had no reason to really be on it. You know, if I were just given some information about how my body functions and how it works. So I don't think for you and your story, me and my story, we are just two of billions of women that also have their unique story. I've not met a single woman yet that was like, yeah, my mom knew everything and just told it, told me all of it. And so yeah, in a very forthcoming way. Yeah. So <laughs> no. I've been tracking my period since I had my first one. And I'm like, I didn't even know that that was really a thing until like mid to late twenties. So same, same, same. I mean, very similar. I, I was, I had no clue about any of this stuff. And so it's very much a trial and error kind of learn as you go situation. And what I hear more than anything is why didn't anybody tell me this before? How is this not taught in schools? Why does my mom or my parent not know about this? And it's just the ongoing dilemma that I think so many of us face where we're learning really vital potentially life-saving information in our thirties and forties. And it's just not okay. Yeah. Agreed. Mm -mm. And so here we are, everyone listening to this podcast, remember you're taking responsibility for your pleasure and your health. And so this podcast might change some things for people. And, and I'm, I am here for it. The ripple effect is real. So I think so many young women and just women in general, people who have a menstrual cycle are taught not very much in the way of like health information, but they're specifically told, well, it's supposed to be all of these things. It's supposed to be painful. You're supposed to be fatigued. You're supposed to be moody. You know, I remember teenagers, the guys that I was, you know, we were all teenagers together. They would make fun or they would be really uncomfortable. And, you you know, a young woman might get a little sassy and they go, are you on your period? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so how can we start to unpack some of that and the myths that are around them? Oh, my goodness. Well, I feel really strongly about, first of all, about education and having conversations. And I really believe that if we are not talking about this, no one's ever going to learn. And so I often say to my friends and my clients and to anyone really who's listening online, talk to your kids about this and don't bring all of your preconceived notions and your baggage around your menstrual cycle and and how bodies work in general to your conversations with your kids because they don't have any idea. Of course, they have none of these hangups that we have and um, and there's none of the stigma attached to it. So that's the first thing that I always say. I All of my friends have reached out to me when these conversations come up and tell me the stories and it's so hilarious. I mean, you know, it'll be like, oh, my menstrual cup was on the countertop and it had blood in it or whatever. And my daughter came over and she's like, what is that? And, and I explained it and she was like, oh, okay. And shrugged her shoulders and walks away. You know, like they, these kids don't even care at all. And when this is introduced to them in a way that does not have all of these attachments to it, they're, they're much more inclined to be comfortable with these conversations and to really come to their parents later on or to talk to other people about this when there's something wrong. I mean, as we know, right, silence around these, these topics really begets 
problems. Ultimately, we have a lot of issues with these, with our, with our bodies that we don't talk about because we just either don't know they're not normal because we don't talk about them, or we just think that I'm the only one. Mm -hmm. And I hear this all the time too. I just, I feel so alone. I feel like I'm the only one. And I'm like, I promise you, you are one of literal millions and millions who are dealing with this. So I think that's one of the first things, like bringing this conversation to kids, your kids, other kids, if you want. I'm like, I'll talk to anyone's kids. Just Well, you can't avoid it. It's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Or it's not going to happen. And that's that's something too. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I think that's one thing. And then I think, you know, there's so some really interesting research talking about how uh, we are so terrified to talk about this topic with men um, in the workplace. Like we're, you know, even just things like breastfeeding and all of that, like it's all just covered up and we have to pretend that, you know, we've got it all together at all times. And that's just not how cyclical bodies work. And so I think that even having these conversations when you feel uncomfortable with others, really helps to normalize this and remove the stigma and the shame around it. And it helps to further conversation and education. I mean, I have had many conversations at dinner tables with family of my partner and they're all, the men are usually like, what Nicole? And, and I'm like, sorry guys, this is just the way of the world. You're going to have to get used to it if I'm in your family now. So I really feel that we have to do that as much as it's uncomfortable. The other thing too, I find women when they are when they're not accustomed to really discussing these topics to join like a women's circle or a moon circle, or just start talking to your fr- your closest friend about what you're experiencing. I can guarantee there'll be something that she'll be able to relate to as well. So that's really where I think that we need to start. It's just like a micro level and eventually it works up. You're not going to be like me blasting this out to the universe every single day of your life. And, or you might be, which would be great too. But I think that we can all do just a tiny bit to help can encourage the conversation to keep going because periods are definitely having a moment. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So I love all of that. And it starts with the conversations and it starts with, yes, your children, but also just within yourself. So some in- yeah. introspection. How do I feel about this? How can I take responsibility for the things that I don't know and the things that I don't know that I don't know? And how can I ensure that I pass down information in a way that doesn't have shame to get shame or, exactly. or something like, like perpetuate. That. Yeah, yeah. The perpetuation of that. I agree completely. How do you feel that someone who has a cycle can live in harmony with it? Oh, this is such a great question. And I think this comes back to what we were just talking about, about having an understanding of how your body works, because this is deeply empowering. I think that when we are just walking around in the dark, we're really just perpetually afraid of our bodies is what it is, right? We've been told this story about the the bot your body is just this mysterious thing that we don't really know how it works and you just have to deal with the problems that come with it when they arise when in fact your body is always talking to you it is always sending you signs and signals as you well know and when we learn to interpret those then we've basically learned to decode our bodies and that is hugely empowering and it is such an incredible gift that we don't even realize we have. And really coming back to, you know, what happened to you when during puberty, when you were getting your first period, what is your period story? 
And when you think about your experience, and it was potentially traumatic, as is the case for so many, if it was, it's likely how you've continued to approach your period and your general menstrual cycle and possibly your entire body for however many decades or years since you've you got your period. So I encourage everyone to really think back to that and to really try and unravel that because that is not a definite or defining factor for how your menstrual cycle should be or how you should approach it. And so when we're talking about living in harmony, really what we start with is what what's my cycle doing? I and you and really you figure that out by tracking. So you really want to know uh, when you're getting your period, how long your entire menstrual cycle is, how long does your period last for? Do you bleed a lot or a little? Do you have PMS symptoms? Are you pushing into PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which you know can be really disruptive to life? And are you experiencing pain of any kind? Because if there's anything that is normalized in our society, it is menstrual pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I often say that you know, when we go to the doctor with pain in other parts of our body, genuinely or generally, they will try and figure out what's going on. Not always, but generally speaking, they will. But with period pain, when your uterus hurts, that's just normal. It just comes <laughs> it's with no big deal. Comes with the territory. Totally comes with the territory. Exactly. And so when you're experiencing pain that disrupts your life, meaning you need to take more than say like two ibuprofen or you have to stay home from work or something like that, that to me is pain that deserves uh, a second look and to figure out what's going on from a root cause perspective. So all of these signs and symptoms are your body basically speaking to you. It's your hormones telling you what's going on and they're just speaking to you through your menstrual cycle. So when you know this information, you know your body and you're able to now have an empowered conversation with your doctor or possibly find another doctor if this doctor isn't listening to you or not willing to work with you on the issues that you're dealing with. So I think we start there. We start with understanding our cycle and then really living in harmony with it comes down to knowing those four phases of your cycle. Like I, I love that we have this, you know, I've often said over the years, it's like a superpower basically, because we know when to push really hard in our lives and we know when to take a step back and take a break or, or step away from something when it's just not quite working. And men don't really have that. (laughs) They just don't, they have a daily cycle, you know, their testosterone's high in the morning, their cortisol is high and then it drops and then they do it all over again. We're far more nuanced as you know, (laughs) which is not something to fix and doesn't mean we're crazy. We're also just as predictable in in a sense, right? I know. I want to, we definitely have to talk about your cycle tracking because, and how you, you know, you sync this with your partner, because that's really what I think this comes down to is how do you utilize this, you know, these cycle superpowers to really have, you know, maximize efficiency in your life and your relationships and the work that you're doing and and just accomplish goals. And something I wrote about in my book that I really loved in the same chapter where I talk about this, like living in harmony with your cycle was the um, women's soccer team, the U S women's soccer team. And the fact that they hired an actual specialist, like a period consultant to help them train in tandem with their cycles, eat, and you know, according to their cycles, all of it, exercise, sleep, everything. And they won the championship or they won the world cup. Like, you know, that's, you know, that year 100- that they, percent because of that that's yeah that's I mean that's I feel like it is I mean, I'm just like I won't take complete ownership of that but I feel like it totally has something to do prove with me it. otherwise 
Yeah. Right. I mean, in fact, the woman who scored the the winning goal, she got her period the next day. So I'm just like, you were scoring goals to win the world cup <laughs> and you were right. You were premenstrual. So this is, you know, we often think that our periods are going to hold us back or they're, they're just so disrupted for our lives, but they really don't have to be when we're living in tandem with them in this way. So anyways, I could go on, but I don't know if you have any other questions as it relates to this exactly. Cause I could definitely keep going. Definitely. Well, and I would hear it too. I would hear it. I'm here for it. And I'm just going to double click on a couple things. Yes. So the the whole phase thing in this um, working with the four phases. So I'm curious for those, you know, when we say the menstrual cycle, I think a lot of people hear menstrual cycle and they just think period, but the totality of the cycle is broken up into some chunks. I That's love correct. to hear your take on those chunks. For sure. Yes. So basically when we're saying menstrual cycle, we're talking about day one of your period all the way through the day before your next period, whereas your period is just your period. And it's true. There's a lot of confusion around that. I've actually had that question many times. Again, comes back to our lack of education in our society, well, which is so unfortunate. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, I didn't know it was called a vulva. I thought it was a vagina. It's yes, like, wait, hang on. What? All right. Rewind. I know. I know, just a side rant, anyway. side tangent rant. Yes. And so when it comes to this cycle, you have these, you have distinct phases. And so that first phase, menstruation, obviously, bleeding phase, you're bleeding anywhere from like three to seven days. That's that's the ideal. That's kind of what I like to see. Somewhere between three and five is really I consider it to be the more ideal. Um, anything under that or longer than the seven days. That might mean something. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a hormonal balance imbalance or an issue, but typically I have everyone look at their overall menstrual cycle to see if, you know, something else is up. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's a problem if you just have a shorter or a longer period. Uh, and then when you move out of that bleeding phase, you're moving into the non-bleeding follicular phase is what I refer to it. Cause that first half of your cycle really is fully the follicular phase. And so this non-bleeding follicular phase really is characterized by rising estrogen rising testosterone your the egg on your follicle is is starting well the eggs on your follicles fo sorry the follicles on your ovary wow are Doing great. are are starting to you know mature and they're growing and they're making estrogen so that's how your estrogen and testosterone are rising so what's really great about this time is that you're really going to feel more energized you're going to start to be like wow my brain is working better and you're going to feel more outgoing and want to be out in the world and then as you approach ovulation, one of the follicles is chosen as a dominant follicle. So this is the follicle that's on track to ovulate and be, which means it's being released from the ovary. And when you hit ovulation, like all of those hormones that you've been making in the lead up are peaking. And so all of the superpowers that I was just talking about really start to come out in full spectrum. And you're just like, yes, life is amazing. And then what happens is this egg is released and this happens in a really short span of time. It's incredible. It's like 24 to 36 hours. Your egg is released. It lives in the fallopian tube for about 12 to 24 hours, waiting for a sperm cell to, to fertilize it. And then if it were, if it's not fertilized, then it just disintegrates. And, you know, we eventually get our period two weeks later. So we move out of this follicular into the ovulatory phase. And then from the ovulatory phase, once the egg is released, we move into the luteal phase. And this is dominated by progesterone. Progesterone is so incredible because it's actually released by where that follicle is on your ovary. So it's, 
it's pumping out progesterone and this progesterone would actually support a pregnancy if you were to become pregnant for like the first few months before the placenta takes over. So your ovary is kind of a big deal. And, uh, you know, and this little follicle now has turned into this endocrine gland and it's just temporary. It does this thing for about, I don't know, 10 to 16 days or so. That's the typical range for a luteal phase. And then from there, you what happens is the progesterone drops because that tiny follicle is now, okay, there's no pregnancy, time to go. And so progesterone stops and then you get your period like a day or two later for the most part. So that, that second half of your cycle, that luteal phase is often characterized in the first part by the same feelings we feel around ovulation. Like we're really out and about, we're alive. We feel like our brains are functioning as best as they will function throughout your whole cycle. And um, you know, you're able to articulate yourself and all of this. It's such a nice juicy time to get things done. And then when you move into that second half, you know, that final week of your period, as we all know, our energy starts to dip. We start to feel a little bit more ragged around the edges, I suppose you could say. And everything is a little bit more intense for us. And I often joke that progesterone is like truth serum because... Yep. We really have our BS meter goes like way up and we really, I mean, it's like what Dr. Christiane Northrup actually said this a long time ago in one of her books, she talked about the veil being lifted and it kind of is like that. Suddenly estrogen is no more. And you're like, Oh, I, estrogen was so great. It was like, so nice to know you and be nice to everybody. And I didn't even see all of these problems in my life. And now I see everything. <laughs> so progesterone totally does that, which makes sense because in that second half of your cycle, suddenly you're having conflict with people in your life and everything is so frustrating and, and things feel a little bit more challenging. And so this is really your body being like, okay, girlfriend, you need to take it down a notch and, you know, and really take care of yourself and, and maybe limit the exposure to the outside world if you can um, by not scheduling a million things. Not that any of us are doing that right now, but that's really kind of what is happening in that second half. So honoring that is going to really help you I think, get more out of the more active phases in your, in your life, in your cycle. Oh my goodness. There were so many awesome things that you just said. Ugh. Yes. So my partner, he now knows more or less, like he'll, he'll just go, he'll like look up in the corner. I'll respond to him. And he's like tracking, I think how I respond, like the way that mm. I respond. Cause I'm watching him just be very curious about this stuff. And he'll go, are you about a week away from your period? Oh, what of it? You know, like why? Cause like, oh, I'm just, I know this so well. and he's just like, I'm just, it gives me a clue as to how to respond to you. I'm like, I'll keep you. And also get out of my sight. You know, like I just, you know, something like that. We were, we were driving. I think this is maybe a month or two ago. We were driving away from some one of our friends' homes. We had like a little intimate kind of um, dinner, I think. And I said we were sitting in the car, and he's driving, and I'm a little quiet. And he asks me a kind of a just a general question. And I go, I'm "Just going to share with you that doom is very accessible to me right now. Like, just doom. It's all about to come to the ground." burn it, light it up, start from scratch. I'm going, I'm going away. I'm changing my name. Fuck this shit. Done. And I go, just give me like a week and a half, <laughs> you know? 
just cracking up over here because I so, I mean, I can so relate. I'm on day yeah. 27 right now. And Hayden, my partner talks about day 26 being his worst day. And so, you know, it's just like the day 26 vibes. I don't even know what to say. It just, I like what you just described. It's basically what happens. And it's yeah. not just one part of your life. It's every part of your life. You're like, oh, my business. Oh, forget it. I'm done. You know, everything. Fraud. It's just, hilarious to me because yeah. literally, like you said, in a week of, and or a week and a half, you're, it's suddenly like estrogen is rising again and we're mm-hmm. back on the roller coaster going up <laughs> instead yeah. of crashing down. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's been a challenge, I think for me personally, to not favor some phases, you yes. know, and to know that there is something really beautiful about each one of them. And I guess because my outer world and the world that I live in favors productivity, favors the generator, you know, and favors the worker bee and like the doer. And, um, and so there's this override, you know, that I, I I'm like, Oh, I gotta get everything done. I gotta get everything done when I'm feeling fancy and my estrogen's high and I'm, you know, and the, the phrasing of the seasons, right. It's spring and summertime. I just got to like plant yeah. all the seeds and watch them grow and, and have all the sex because that's the time, you know, and you know, prepare, prepare for fall. God damn, there's fall again and winter. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> so true. I have, you know, I've had, I have a hard time with, um, not trying to favor it and like pack so much stuff in those windows and then being so like, well, shit, we're here again. And like kind of loathing because I'm I, doom is available and loathing is too like, God damn here again. Just give me a blanket and everybody go away, you know? So, oh yeah. And I definitely am. I ride the ride. I have friends that feel pretty steady. They definitely have, I can see that they go through their own version of peaks and troughs, but I feel like I'm one of those people that goes that zero to a hundred real quick. I can go up and down with my emotions. It's like a psychedelic trip. One second, I'm this one second. I'm that. Then I look like this. Then I look like that, you know? So You're not alone. I will say that. I know. And it really does happen. And I do find in the second half of the cycle, this is so common. And what I have found over the years in my work and just with my own self-experimentation is that when our blood sugar is also all over the place, and it doesn't even have to be too all over the place, that second half of the cycle can be really problematic. And, uh, you know, we can find even that if we pay attention to what blood sugar instability even looks like on a regular day, it's very similar to what's happening in that second half of our cycle. And what's really interesting about this is the hormonal interplay because estrogen actually acts as an insulin sensitizer. So we tend to be far more uh, blood sugar stable in the first half of our cycle. So our blood sugar does not have as many swings because of that increasing estrogen. Whereas in the second half of our cycle with progesterone, progesterone is like a blood sugar lower. So if we already have like a high and then we, we will crash harder. And so I always find that if we're able to keep that stable, it, it really helps a lot. In fact, I've had clients, you know, actually have their symptoms like their PMDD, for instance, like PMDD is obviously no joke. And I've had so many clients reduce the severity of their mood issues or their mood swings and how they feel generally by, you know, like 50, 70, 80% just from getting that under control. Not saying that that's the issue you're dealing with or anything, but it's fascinating how our hormones play with our blood sugar. For sure. And what I heard you say is that eat more dried mangoes. (laughs) That's what I heard. 
I'm sure you heard that. <laughs> I have this bad habit of oh just like fully hearing what I want to hear. Uh, totally. Um, oh, but dry mangoes though. They're so yummy. I don't know why so that's Moorish. the thing. It makes no sense why that's the thing. You know, those giant bags of mangoes from Costco will be the death of me. They're, they're incredible. My whole mouth is watering now. So yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, so, you know, there are times when I'm like, wow, I haven't eaten in a long time and I'm good. I'm probably in ketosis. Look at me go. And then there's times where I'm like, if I don't eat now, I'm going to rip somebody's head off. And if I bet if I tracked that just in that you know, kind of symptom, if I call it like something to track, then it would probably give me some clues as well. So it probably would. A study yeah. of self, perpetual know, right? student of self. I have everyone test their blood sugar using a glucometer and, you know, and really seeing the patterns because it's like a great little biohacking tool. And it's so helpful to just see what, how it all correlates with the different phase of site of the cycle that you're in. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that there's a lot of people who are listening to the podcast that are like, well, because the show, generally speaking, sex, love, and relationships. Okay, so right. cool. We're talking about a period, or we're talking about the menstrual cycle. How does this play into desire, libido, availability, vaginal dryness, or lubrication? So I'm curious your insights as to how the phases could give clues as to availability for intimacy. I mean, we we're kind of touching on it by just talking about how that latter part of the cycle can play out, but that doesn't mean you know, that, that a lot of times is a message to me when I'm in that latter part is like, oh, it's just going to I do this in a different way. And I might need to coach myself yes. in, in, into it. And so I have way more control. Like, yes, this cycle is at play. And also I'm a human. I have choices. I have reasoning and I can decide how I want to experience, have my experience go down. So. Yeah. I, and I'm so glad you asked this because I was just thinking before you asked this, that I didn't even touch on any of that as I was talking through these phases, which is kind of ridiculous. But when we're, when we think of that, again, the menstrual phase, we're bleeding. Typically there's a lower desire at this time. Not the case for everybody, of course. Um, you know, some of us might just be like, hell no, I'm not even interested, especially if you have any kind of period pain or you have another condition like endometriosis or something like that that may cause severe pain. And, yeah. um, you know, there are others, however, that because of this increased blood flow to the pelvic region or, you know, there's also a slight rise in testosterone that happens in, you know, during this phase, like right before you get your periods, there's a little, little drop, like peak and drop. Um, what will happen is you may have an increased uh, you may have an increased sex drive during this time. And so oftentimes women will say to me, yeah, I don't really, I, I have a decent sex drive at uh, the ovulation time. And then really when it kicks in is right before my period or right when I get my period. So I think that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And so I think the other thing to think about too, at this time in your cycle is that, you know, physical touch orgasms, they trigger oxytocin, the hormone of love and bonding. And this also happens to reduce physical pain. Go figure. So I, I feel like finding a way to be intimate with your person or even yourself, whatever works, will bring multiple benefits during that time. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be penetrative sex or anything like that. So I feel like that's, you know, something to think about. I also think too, keeping in mind as well that when you are, when you get your period, blood actually changes the pH 
of your vaginal canal. So it can be, you know, potentially problematic because it makes it a little more alkaline. This is why oftentimes women will experience like a vaginal infection during this time where they'll notice itching or like a weird discharge or smell or something like that. And so oftentimes like bacterial vaginosis shows up at this time in the cycle. So just be careful with, uh, you know, unprotected sex if you're doing that at this time. Like that's something to consider. Uh, the other things, like as you're moving out of this phase and you're now moving into towards ovulation and all of these hormones are starting to surge, you know, estrogen is fascinating. It actually makes you more attractive, makes you look more attractive. Like your skin starts to glow. Mm-hmm. And of course, your libido's rising. I feel all of that. these. Right. I'm like, yeah, damn, look, I know. At, look at my face is so symmetrical. Yes, I know. It's incredible. Like when they have done research on this and they show uh, women's faces and then to the opposite sex and what happens, like they're far more attractive attractive, according to these guys in that phase of the cycle. And again, it's like evolutionary. I mean, this is literally what our bodies are designed to do as much as we don't necessarily agree with that in our modern times. Like that's not what we're trying to do every single cycle, but it is really interesting. And I always say to women, take a pay attention during ovulation to how many guys are just staring at you and women too. Cause like you just, you just look more attractive to pretty much everyone. And, um, and take a look at that when you're walking down the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you don't have to wear a mask anymore. When It'll people be a can actually helpful. see your face. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I know, right? For yeah. sure. So that's really fascinating. And so this time again, like estrogen is increasing, testosterone is increasing, and these two are really responsible for vaginal lubrication, uh, higher libido. Um, you just feel, I mean, and also too, I find that at this time of the cycle, it's just a lot easier to really get in the mood and have orgasms and all of it. I mean, just every, everything is like at a heightened level. I'm feeling myself. I am beautiful. I can do anything. Look, I'm already wet. You didn't even touch me. I'm already wet, (laughs) which there is a difference between being lubricated and having cervical fluid and like all those things and being aroused, but still it, it does kind of trick me. I'm like, oh, I'm already ready. Right. Yeah. 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 I, feel I know. Myself. Yeah. I know. You're really, I agree. Totally feeling yourself. I love that. <laughs> it's so true. And you know, this is the time really when, uh, you know, but like in from the previous cycle or free, previous phase of the cycle, you might feel like you need a little extra lubrication. You need a little bit more time, things like that. This time, typically you don't really need that so much. And yeah, Ooh, <laughs> right. Obviously is great all the time. That's I'm true. Put that on a shirt. <laughs> You have that on a shirt. I I should like lube is great all the time. All the time. Lube is great. You totally should. I I completely agree. And yeah, yeah, you might just notice that this is, you know, the time you're like, where you might not even need it at all. Like that's sometimes what happens, especially when we're younger. And so this is, you know, again, like as we get into ovulation time, of course, your body is wanting you to get knocked up. So that's what's, you know, that's really the goal here. And this is going to be the time when you find yourself, uh, you know, really wanting to get down and, Mm -hmm. um, and then like, Moving from there, I would say, you know, we now move out of that ovulatory phase into the luteal or the autumn, as we were talking about earlier, and you'll still notice. Hmm? Doom. Doom. Starts creeping in. (laughs) Later. I know, right? You will totally notice though, like 
post ovulation that you're still, you know, you're still feeling it a little bit and you'll notice too, your cervical fluid changes. So it becomes this stickier, uh, creamier, more tacky type of fluid and, or it might just disappear completely. It really depends on your body, but that will, that's actually progesterone kicking in and progesterone is basically like, okay, we're done with baby making now. And we're moving into this second part of the cycle. And that actual, that cervical fluid, if you were to look at it on under a microscope, you would see like a basket weave type pattern, which so really what it does is it blocks sperm. And our bodies are just like, okay, we're good now. (laughs) We're all done with that part. And we're moving on. And it's really amazing to me when I see that, because I just feel like, wow, this is like a fundamental shift that your body has made. And progesterone is like we were saying earlier, it's this calming hormone. If we don't have enough of it, it's doom many times. And if we have too much of it, unfortunately, same problem. We don't feel so great either. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's very important to have a bit of a balance there. And, you know, oxytocin is actually higher in this in this uh, second half of our cycle, and yeah. which I find so interesting. So it's, you know, you tend towards not like the really intense, passionate sex or whatever it is yeah. you feel like having in that first half of your cycle. This is a little bit slower, love more chilled me, out. Pet me, yeah. cuddle me. Right, exactly. Yeah. Hug, hug me and love me. Yeah. I know, but also don't even come near me. And then go away. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's definitely, you know, it's like one of those things where, um, and then it gets, you know, it gets lower, like it gets lower into the luteal phase. So, which makes sense. Like you really just don't want anyone near you in many cases, but you also five minutes later, you might. And right. so I find that avoiding a lot of like excess stimulation during this time and you know, like doing your, your thing alone could be really useful during this time too. So that's, you know, a little bit about how things change. Sex. And of course, you can then extrapolate that a little bit and understand how that would factor into your relationship or relationships. Um, there's, I like that little peak. And when you said it, that like, like little extra peak of testosterone right before the period starts too. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that time because I feel like if I've been a little bit kind of sticky or crunchy, um, with regards to navigating conversation, I'm not even going to say conflict because it doesn't even need to be conflict, just conversation sometimes um, with my partner, that little spike, I oftentimes feel that right before my period is going to start. And I'm grateful for that intimacy. Um, I'm grateful well that kind of intimacy um, because I know that for the next few days, I'm going to be unavailable. I'm not going to be all that interested in it. I call it, um, I usually say to Jordan, my partner, like, I feel like my vagina has a headache. So I'm just like, want to leave her alone. She's just kind of like throbbing and like pulsing down there. And it's like painful, but also a little bit of a turn on because there's like weight and heat and, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, do I ever now there's like two or three things. I hope that I can continue tracking them. Speaking of tracking um, that I want to like do a little zoom in. So you said in the ovulatory phase it's like 12 to 48 or 12 to 24 hours. I can't remember exactly what you said. Yeah. Like that, the, the egg, that the egg is available. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So before Jordan started tracking my cycle, he like many men were just like, I, you can get pregnant all the time. Panic, panic, pulling out isn't effective. And my sperm are so strong and you know I don't I don't want you to get pregnant I'm like but I can't right now like I legitimately cannot right now and he just had the hardest time at first trusting that and when we were going through the like I'm coming off of birth control it was like rocky like what is this 
how is this cycle going to play out as I detox from being on birth control for so long? And I'm still in that process. Also saw an acupuncturist last year to try and get like healthier periods because mine are super short. My cycles are usually 26, maybe 28 days and I'll bleed for one full day. I'll spot the first day and then I'll, it'll be dark and kind of spotty. I bet y'all listeners didn't know I was going to give you all this information about me, right? I, I tell you everything. Here it is. So then it's kind of like dark and not great the next day. And so I call it a three-day period, but it's kind of kind of pathetic to even call it a three-day period. So I'm on that journey of healing it too. But anyway, at that time, back to him thinking you can get pregnant, you're just like breathe at a woman and she's, oh gosh, she's with, she's with child, you know, because that, that we got incorrect or not enough information and some kind of way as kids, that, that piece of info made it in, you know, you can get pregnant at any time. And it's oh, and it's stuck. It's I know. I'm watching true. Bridgerton right now. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this show is out of control. Jeez. I, yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> I watched the whole thing too. Hastings. Oh, I can't even. Duke of Hastings. I cannot even deal. Wow. Hello. If you weren't thinking about sex before Bridgerton, you definitely are now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For so. sure. Anyway, sorry, it was a bit of a sidetrack. <laughs> I a delicious one. Because I was thinking about the just the the carrying on of the myth that one can get pregnant every single time they have sex or every single day of their lives. Well, you basically. definitely are at risk if you are with a partner and neither of you are paying attention to the cycle. Yes. You know, exactly. it's like pull out because I'm nervous, but I, but also I haven't asked her when her last period was and don't know how long her period is. And where does that 12 to 48 hour, I think that was what you said, window where, you know, I wouldn't say everything's on the table and go for it outside of that 12 to 48 hour window or whatever, no. but, but definitely tell a couple that a couple of days on either end, you know? Yes. Yeah. I want to talk about this because I, while, you know, the egg will survive for this length of time, we have that fertile quality cervical fluid. So just like what progesterone does to cervical fluid, estrogen also does something completely opposite it, this cervical fluid and anyone who's, you know, ever really looked during that ovulatory time or paid attention, you'll notice it look kind of uh, stretchy or watery. You might feel a gush. It might feel like egg white in your hand, um, but you definitely notice that stretchy kind of sensation with it. And so when you have that type of cervical fluid, what that's telling me or what that should be telling you is that you're fertile. And uh, so sperm can live in that kind of fluid for up to seven days. So we have a, we have like a seven to nine day window really where we have to be careful. So really, I think that everyone, when everyone is seeing that kind of fluid, then they should know that they're potentially fertile. Uh, So, but yes, that egg is just, it doesn't live for long at all. And then if there were a second egg released, which can happen to right within that window, that would produce fraternal twins if they, you know, they were to be fertilized. So yeah, I think that that's something to seriously consider. But knowing this information is incredible because if you ovulate on day 15, for instance, two to three days later, you are safe from being able to get pregnant again. And uh, that's it for the rest of your cycle until, you know, your next period or until you start to see that cervical fluid again after your period ends in the next cycle. So it's really remarkable information for people and completely groundbreaking. (laughs) It shouldn't be. I know. And I think about guys that are, you know, with a long-term partner and, or maybe not with a long-term partner, um, but just, you know, don't like the condom thing, but are unwilling to learn about a cycle. So it's like, take response. Like this, there's, it takes at least two people to do this, you know, 
sexual thing that can result in a pregnancy. It's not all her responsibility to know what is up. It is very much her counterpart, whoever that person may be, is very much their responsibility to participate in that too. And I think, you know, even if instead of like shame and you should, like this tells you when you don't need to pull out. And I don't know a man that I have yet to meet one that has been like, oh, you know, I prefer to pull out. Oh, you know, I actually really like condoms, you know, (laughs) they're a rare breed. So, so if you, if by learning this and being so attention, you know, so attentive to your partner and intentional with how you do your relationship, even if it's a friends with benefits, something like that. Of course, this is not factoring into like one night stand situation, but you can spend time with that person. I promise you, like when my partner looks at me and I can tell he is paying attention to the cues that I'm giving him based off of my mood, based off of my energy level, he's, he's doing a very male oriented thing. He's categorizing it all. And he's trying to figure out what's this puzzle leading me to so that he can win. There's never not been a time in our relationship. Like we are in this thing. We're getting married this year. We're talking about family, all this stuff. We're making these plans. He is not just in this just for fun. He's in it for the whole shebang. He's like, I want to win with you. So just you tell me how. And if it's, you know, if it's like towards that latter part of my cycle, I'm like, I don't know the how. But generally speaking, I'm I'm just being silly now. But I say, okay, here, this is you participate. You show me that you care enough about me and us and the success of our relationship. I'm going to meet you in it. And so there's those moments, you know, I'll say in the car, I don't know, Doom's accessible. And he'll say, I love you so much. And then he'll say, because, and I especially love that you have that self-awareness. Like that makes all the difference. I can be with you with Doom also sitting in the back seat, you know, ready, just ready for whenever I'm, I want to call her up. Um, But just that the fact that you have the self-awareness and can talk through it, which means, you know, for me, having to get really up close and personal with my emotions and really up close and personal with the waves and being very accepting and not saying you need to do this in a different way. You should be more stable. You should be more, more this or more grounded or something. It's like, how about I just get up close and personal with it and say, I love you. And exactly as you are is exactly as you're supposed to be not giving any concession or passing responsibility, but how about let's work with this thing instead of trying to be so anything but that, you know, cause this is what, I mean, history keeps repeating itself every year of my life. You know, I grow and I evolve as a human, but there are certain aspects of my personality that I just got to a point where I'm like, fuck this. I'm not trying to change this anymore. How about I just love it instead? Absolutely. Alexa, thank you so much for saying that. I just love that so much because I feel exactly the same way. I think that we are, we are constantly labeled in our society as being bitchy or so hormonal, or, you know, we our biology is used in a way that's sort of weaponized against us and it becomes so problematic, obviously. And I think that that is partially what is behind when we, behind the more severe PMS symptoms or mood issues that we experience is that we've not been allowed to just be where women are not allowed to be angry. We're not allowed to show extreme emotion. This is not an acceptable way for women to be in our society. And as a result, I think when those, those kinds of emotions are just perpetually pent up over sometimes many years, 
uh, we lose our shit every single month. And, and I, like I was saying, when, you know, we're in that second half of our cycle, truly it's something like you said, right. You see doom or like, I'm going to just get rid of my relationship or I'm do, I'm just getting rid of everything. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm out of here. Have the match. I have it's heard this story so many times from women being like, I want a divorce. I, I just don't want my life anymore. And I'm like, this is, you have to look at what exactly isn't working here. Cause it's not your hormones in the second half of your cycle. Those are just telling you that something's not working in the rest of your life and they're not the problem. So we have to kind of stop the whole, like shoot the messenger. Let's like go on birth control or shut our bodies up with whatever form of hormonal birth control that we've been, we decide to take and instead actually look at what's really happening because your body is just responding to the external stimuli ultimately. Absolutely. I love that. And so I think maybe we have time for a question or two. Yeah. And, and I realized, just like I said, when we very first started, I was like, I already know that I have more questions than, you know, an, <laughs> an hour ish podcast recording can, can lead me to, cause I have all these, all of these curiosities about how to literally fix the period, especially for me, like just describing how my period shows up. How do I fix that? Of course, reading excerpts and portions of your book and getting insight. But there are times where I'm like, there's so much information and I don't really know which direction to go in and who to turn to. And so I think, I think I'm good. I'll just, I have managed this this long and I'm not dead. So it was like, keep doing the thing that I know, right? The, the, the choosing the devil I know route kind of thing. So um, I have questions about that. And I also have questions that I'm sure there are some people that are like, what about that PMDD that thing that she just said? Or I have really intense cramps or right before my period, I experience bloating. Like, like I have a basketball in, the, in my lower abdomen. It looks incredible. And I know that I, I know that there are so many um, women that will say the same thing. So it's like, I, I want to like go into all of the, the different um, symptoms and things that 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 should, in a sense, set off an alarm, like even if it's a mild alarm, like, hey, check that out. I've got lots of curiosities about that. And I guess maybe because I'm like, what is the actual question that I do want to get to like a roundabout? Because we've been we've been talking now for like 53 minutes and I'm like, you've got to find an end at some point, even though you're still so curious. <laughs> so how about I just shared kind of points that were all over the place. Which no, one? I actually have some ideas oh, around great. what you just said. Great. Yeah, I'm I like, feel like I can you do you choose. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, you decide what nugget like is inspiring and exciting and you want to share with everyone and go in on that. Okay. Well, I love everything you just asked because those are really valid questions and they're happening to so many people. It's ridiculous. So what I will say, and what I found over the years is that no matter the symptom, there are general underlying causes that are really causes for all of our health problems for the most part that we should be looking at. And when, what I, what I'm saying in the book isn't necessarily like new or hugely groundbreaking. It's more that it's just tying what's happening in with your period. So you're being able to use your period as a barometer for what's happening with your overall health. And so everything you described, like I said, those are symptoms that are really, really common for many people. And oftentimes they're tied to one or more of a few key things. And so like I was talking to you about the blood sugar, for instance, right? So ongoing blood sugar dysregulation 
obviously can mess with our hormones, but it can cause, you know, chronic inflammation. And this chronic inflammation can lead to period pain, ovulatory pain, uh, like that achy joint pain that you experience in the lead up to your period or right when you get your period. So migraines as well as, you know, chronic headaches as they associate with your menstrual cycle. So when we think about how many period symptoms are caused by just one thing, then we target the one thing. And so oftentimes, like I was saying in the book is that, you know, we start with nutrition, we start with the basics, we move into testing our blood sugar, getting that stable. We work on our gut health. I feel like When I think about our gut health and the fact that it's obviously connected to so much, but it's also really important when it comes to our menstrual cycle, because there's a certain group of bacteria called the estrobilome in your gut. They reside there. I know, right? And go figure. They're responsible for how much estrogen you might have circulating in your body. And what's fascinating about it is that this will change. The estrobilone population will change according to your diet. So if your diet is, you know, really high carbohydrate, high sugar, that'll totally throw off that group of bacteria, just as it would any other part of your microbiome. And when that bacteria is, is not balanced or not, you know, imbalanced, what you'll find is you might be estrogen dominant or you might not have enough estrogen. So it goes both ways, depending on your body. I mean, it's all really comes back to our genetics and our makeup. And so if we're able to get our gut health under control, and when I say that, what I mean is, you know, we're having regular bowel movements. uh, We don't have any dysbiosis or bacterial imbalances or they're minimal that they're not impacting our bodies. You know, we have tested for things like SIBO or H. pylori or anything that could be disrupting that, that whole microbiome kingdom. And then, you know, once we get that under control, things like bloating goes away and, or, you know, it becomes less problematic or things like, um, you know, the period poops, that's another, that's a whole other thing, right? Like so many women say to me, I have like crazy diarrhea. I'm stuck in the bathroom in right before my period or when I get my period or they'll, others will say I'm chronically constipated in the whole luteal phase. Yep. Right. I know. So these are, are certainly factors to consider. And the, one of the other things that I have now had personal experience with is, is sort of the physical side of things, right? So there's, There's a tendency for a lot of us, it seems, and I think that this just stems from so many different aspects of our lives, like, you know, perpetually wearing high heels or exercising in a way that isn't appropriate for us. And, you know, even more, far more serious things like sexual abuse as a child or things like that are the the physical structure. So our, our whole pelvic bowl, you know, houses our uterus and our ovaries, and they're attached to different ligaments and they're all the muscles down there are all responding to, you know, various cues. So if there's, if you were to fall, for instance, or you're like wearing high heels, and so you're just constantly tilted forward, there are, you know, this is going to throw off all of these, these organs and these muscles. And so then you're ending up in a situation where you might have, um, you know, like a, uterine misalignment. And a lot of women also have tilted uteruses and they're told that and they're told, oh, it's no big deal, but this could potentially be triggering your period pain or, you know, some other issue, like even uh, ovulatory dysfunction, even fertility troubles. So I often talk about seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist or someone who practices visceral manipulation because I, you know, had period pain for so, so long and I, I saw a pelvic PT. I've recently been seeing someone who practices something called Mercier therapy. This was developed by a friend. Her name's Jennifer Mercier. And it's like deep 
pelvic visceral manipulation. So they're really getting in there. And that really helps to realign these organs. And you know, pain disappears, uh, periods change, all kinds of things you happen. And so yes, and or the not. You can yes. poop or not. What's so fascinating is that even with all the work I've done over the years, I was I still had this tendency towards constipation in the second half of the cycle. And just so everyone knows, progesterone basically is like the smooth muscle hormone, right? Like this hormone just slows everything down. It's like the mm-hmm. Valium for hormone, for Imodium. Valium hormone. Thanks. Right. So it slows down your, your, uh, your bowel movements, basically. So your, your muscles in your intestines. And so this is why we tend to have this tendency. Um, but I found that that's completely disappeared too, which I find fascinating. So, you know, again, this has been all full abdomen work, but that we, there are things we can do. And there's, I mean, there's so many things I always start with, let's try your diet. Let's see how much improvement we can see from that and then move on to your gut health. Let's support that in a way and then move on to some liver detoxification because what the other thing is the liver is so overlooked. We don't even realize that the liver is responsible for breaking down the hormones that our bodies use and then getting rid of them. And if we have a liver that doesn't work because say we don't have enough magnesium or other nutrients that support the phases of liver detox, then we're not going to break down these hormones properly and they will recirculate and cause even more problems. So if we have like this whole system, it's like a whole like disposal plant working, you know, step by step in our bodies and optimized, then we will see remarkable change. So it really is just like step one and then step two and step three when you're ready. And then there's another phase of healing. I think like if you're not seeing like the real results you want to see, maybe there's something else like a chronic infection. Maybe there's an autoimmune disease. Maybe there are parasites or some other pathogens that are causing, you know, the system-wide issue that's allow not allowing you to feel op- like the best that you want to feel. So that's, you know, I feel like that's phase two. That requires some testing and working with someone, but a lot of this you can do on your own, which I think is hugely empowering for people. It's just a matter of prioritizing it, which I know can feel overwhelming too. Yeah. For somebody like me, I'm like, oh, I just want to prioritize the business information and the mindset and the money stuff and then this and the other. And it's like, oh, another month goes by and I haven't pooped in two days. And, or like, I'm just like extra irritable. And I'm just like, oh, it just comes par for the course, move right along, invest in this thing and that thing. And I've definitely gotten to a point personally, I know there's probably a number of listeners as well, where it's like, fuck that. Like, what's it, what's it all for anyway? If I'm not if I can't access joy because I'm so uncomfortable or I can only access that joy or that excitement or that whatever for certain parts of the month. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely intrigued personally and excited. I loved this conversation. I'm going to keep it going as I love to do. I'll talk to anyone and everyone about this kind of stuff, but go figure. I'll also talk to them about all kinds of other crazy things. So it's like, if you give me permission, you give me an inch, I'll take a mile. What else is going on in your life? <laughs> you know, exactly. Well, you aren't a sex coach for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, perpetual insatiable curiosity. And I, and I think that in having that, and if I can gift that to my listeners and my community, I would like to just sprinkle it around like fairy dust is curiosity. It's self-inquiry with your partners, the people that you love, your family dynamics, just all of it be curious because I think when you get an understanding of yourself and you're able to get an understanding more or less of the, the people that you're interacting with, it gives grace, it gives space, it gives validation. 
you know, and a healthy, a healthy dose of validation and like, oh, I'm, I'm on this journey and everybody's on this journey and no one is exempt. So, um, might as well just like love each other and love ourselves a little bit more in the process. So true. Yeah, absolutely. I know, like you said, and this I hear often as well, when you are not able to feel joyful and feel happy and you feel as though two to three weeks of your life are just completely hijacked by your cycle, it's really time to investigate. Because like I said before, your cycle is literally just a reflection of your external environment and your internal environment. And it's yeah. and nothing more. It's yeah. not broken. It's not something you need to fix, even though I say fix your period. Um, it's more just something to pay attention to and start to make changes that will support it and support your overall health. And with that, your cycle will change. Mm, love it. And so let's say a bunch of people are listening, myself included, <laughs> and they're like, how do I get more Nicole? Like, how do you, like, how do I work with you? Where do I throw my money? You know, (laughs) or something like that. Well, we know how to fix your period, the the book. You can definitely start with the book, but what else is available? Yes, definitely start with the book. I have also bonuses as well. You can find the book online and any of the stores. And then there's multiple places internationally. Just go to fixyourperiod.com. You know, I don't even have a book sitting next to me. It's hilarious. I really should work. I on just that. stuck the book in the in the I, thank frame. You. Thank you. I see so, that <laughs> because the, the video of our podcast will live somewhere eventually. So, you know. oh, very good. Okay, yeah. great. And then you can find me on my website. It's nicolejardim.com. I have programs on there. I have a wait list for my group coaching program, as well as Instagram. I'm on there very regularly sharing all kinds of things mm-hmm. along these lines. And I have a podcast as well. It's called The Period Party. So you guys come on down. <laughs> yeah. Bring your partner, you know, bring all the, all the other opposite sex that doesn't have a cycle like this there and just watch them be uncomfortable. If it could be at a time in your cycle where you just grab a glass of wine and put on a podcast like this and just watch your partner. Yes. <laughs> and let's talk about it anyway. Exactly. And, and I will say for those of you who have teenagers, this is like last, last thing. Um, who might be getting their period soon or their friends with people who might be getting their period soon. Let's celebrate that shit. I get so tickled when I hear about these period parties, these like debut, the period debut parties where you get a red velvet cake and it has the name, her, the name of her period on it. And, and like all of these people are invited and it's a celebration, you know, these transitionary phases you know, mine was like, do you need any help? And here's a little baggie of things. Like, let me know if you need any help figuring it out in the bathroom by yourself. So just like you said, Nicole, like I, well, how my experience was, was very, oh, it's just like a passing thing that happened and it's no big deal. And this is huge. These trans, especially for women, these transitionary initiation phases from you're a little girl to now your body is capable of doing the magic of a woman. And it's just like, oh, I have like goosebumps on my face just saying that. If we celebrate that, imagine the empowerment that that person, that that little human gets to carry on in their life. And so y'all keep fighting that. the good fight. I love that so much. I'm so glad you said that because I agree. I wish I'd had a period party, but that was just not the thing that happened back then. But how much that changes the trajectory of that person's life versus someone who had a really traumatic experience with their first period or puberty. It's just, it's completely different. Well, consider you the Joan of Arc of the menstrual cycle. Thank you for this conversation. It was enlivening. It was insightful. 
I know that there were so many nuggets there and um, I can't wait to bring it to my community and for us to all have conversations about this and I'm just going to make everybody, you know, cause my community is all kinds of people. I'm going to be like, we're going to have a whole day where we talk about blood. <laughs> Not really, awesome. but you know, just, just to see how it goes. <laughs> I like to like, just kind of shock and awe and then go, okay, but really like what's going on. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I am so appreciative of you. Everybody go grab her book, get on her wait list. And I'll probably see you on the inside because I'm in, I'm into this. Good. Oh my gosh. Thanks, Alexa. Thank you so much for having me. This is a great conversation. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.